Okay, so... <laughs> we gotta go quick, because I gotta race off to work. Fuck you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob. And we are coming to you today from the pretty soon we can't pay the rent Winchester building <laughs> in the downtown metropolis area. And how true is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, as of three weeks from now, very true. <laughs> uh, but we will figure out a way uh, and uh, to pay the rent, namely, uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's important when I was a young man to keep on rocking. Well, you know what I forgot to ask you last week, Rob? Oh, no, that was trucking. What? I, I wanted to ask you how your Christmas was with your beloved family. Well, it's kind of working late on the 23rd there, doing the night shift there. And I wasn't able to switch over to the uh, the day shift for uh, for Christmas dinner there on Christmas Eve. And then uh, come Christmas Day, I kind of uh, was able to give that a pass. How <laughs> were you able to give, give Christmas a pass just like that? I think they were all tuckered out from Christmas Eve, and it was just a quiet afternoon, and my presence wasn't required. Ah, because of your jovial, uh... Yes. Uh, uh, constitution. Demeanor, my, yeah. my propensity for sitting in a corner for hours and waiting for time to pass. <laughs> They're finally catching on. It's just not fun. So did you see anybody at Christmas uh, pertaining to your family? Not till New Year's. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Speaking of which, I just want to thank everybody. We had a really great reception for our Christmas episode. Uh, good feedback. A lot of people listened. Uh, it really was one of our best shows. And uh, Yeah, that was a weird, fun show. It was a weird, fun show. An album I would never voluntarily listen to. <laughs> no, not unless you were a part of it. It was somehow really good. But it was really good, and we got really great feedback from you people, and uh, we love you. Well, we don't love you, but we like you a lot enough to ask you over for a drink once in a while. Um, also, oh, also, this is a, a, a big show because I'm dedicating this show to my mother, whose 90th birthday is this month. Uh, my mom's 80th is in uh, five days. Yeah, but my mom's nicer. <laughs> uh my and my mom well no your mom does both our moms don't listen to the show yeah uh yeah. robs for one reason is <clears throat> but he'd probably go to hell if if uh, she oh. found out that what the type of things we talk about here i hate going to hell and my mom just doesn't understand she just kind of every once in a while she goes and i'll visit her and she'll say what could you explain again why you do this show <laughs> <laughs> and well, I have no answer. <laughs> another, another 40, 50 years, I'm going to be dead. And I'm just kind of thinking, i got some time to kill. This might be fun. <laughs> it's a fun way to kill time. Uh, so, yeah, it's her 90th birthday, so happy birthday, Mom. I know you're not listening, but uh, maybe someday. She doesn't even know how to get it. And, the, more, <laughs> and the, the aggravating thing is the more you explain how to get it, the more confused she gets. So it's, just, it's just like... Oh, no, you can't get it in this region or something like that. Man, she's all fine with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I got to do. As if there's a need for it, which there isn't. No. No. It's just computers. Computers and people uh, in the uh, higher age region, yeah. they don't mix. They ought not to be allowed. No. <laughs> Old people shall not be allowed. It's a lot like Logan's Run, but anyways. <laughs> um. 
Oh, did you? So you had no contact with the hens on uh, on Christmas? Not till New Year's. I got no stories or you got no stories or nothing. All I can tell you is uh, we got photographs of uh, mom with uh, all five kids. First, uh, probably last time for several years. Uh, you mean uh, your brother Craig was there? He was there. He brought the uh, his his horde. Oh, I thought you said his whore. <laughs> no, 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 his horde. Okay. <laughs> Four. <laughs> this month's war. Four. Four troublemaking daughters. Uh, or <laughs> Craig's girlfriends, or as the uh, his sisters call each one of his girlfriends, the whores. Anyways. <laughs> uh, that was their band name back in the 70s. <laughs> Craig and the whores. <laughs> so uh, today we are continuing our month-long look into the albums released in the month of January during the 70s. And today we review an album that was much anticipated in 1971 in January, beep, beep, just like I said, but for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately, because it's the posthumous album from Janis Joplin, the legendary Janis Joplin, and her last album, of course, uh, Pearl. And we will get to that in a few minutes. Oh, first, before we get to odds and ends. Odds and ends! Uh, this is a good day. <laughs> this is a good day to do a show. <laughs> we could do be like indoors. five shows today because uh, just to let you know that in the greater metropolis area it is like uh, minus 100 degrees <laughs> and uh, people wandering around uh, talking to themselves complaining about how cold it is <laughs> that actually happened i was outside the winchester building and some guy was just walking down the street and he was going it's cold <laughs> it's so cold Oh, my, oh, I remember what he said, my feet, and he's just by himself, and it just was so fun, I hate, I hate to make fun of him, but I think he wanted that, <laughs> I think he wanted to be, like, funny, so it was just like, my feet are so cold, just yelling into the air, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's I've nice. lived here 40 or 50 years, I know that that happens, this sounds like it surprised him. Yeah, it, it, it's like, uh, I've never been here before. <laughs> Obviously, we don't tape in California, but um, sweet, sweet California, sweet, sweet California. So, anyways, it's time for uh, odds and ends. The last time is not found again. So, if you're tuning in for the first time <laughs> because it's a new year, I guess it is, right? It is, and neither of us were supposed to live this long, but yet here we are. Everything that I will, oh, I'm going to explain everything about odds and ends here. It's where you tie up the loose ends from previous episodes. And then we also have little tidbits that we think is important, but not big enough or long enough. For the right segment. If you know what I mean. It's not big (laughs) enough or long enough to have a segment. Jill knows. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we have uh this this is for things that just don't fit into regular segments or from previous shows speaking of twitch twitch (laughs) (laughs) that was a uh, dance invented on the uh, flintstone that wasn't a mistake i did that on purpose (laughs) speaking of twitch and shuggy and shuggy and shuggy shuggy (laughs) (laughs) i know shuggy hates when i call him shuggy anyways on our last episode we were talking about, remember we were talking about gold and platinum albums? 
I believe we were in what the the uh, how many you had to sell together. Yeah, and we weren't sure how many albums you needed to sell. I know it varies from country to country. Well, that's what I'm getting to. You know, that's the thing. If you just give me a few seconds, I can't. I'm getting to that sort of mumbo jumbo right now. I get so excited. I think we're in a conversation, but we're not. Please continue. Oh, well, now I don't want to. <laughs> Anyways, we couldn't find it. No. Uh... <laughs> so in the United States, uh, five hundred thousand units sold is gold gold okay. i tell you do you know what it is in australia platinum is one million so twice gold is platinum so one million copies sold is that's a lot it's platinum and diamond i forgot there was diamond because nobody, uh, nobody gets there's like anymore. four albums that sold diamond <laughs> it's like <laughs> 10 million copies that's like i don't know michael jackson carol king or, she's got to be in there well yeah very good uh sad night fever something like that mm-hmm. um United Kingdom, they're funny, but United <laughs> United Kingdom, well, not explain. Okay, they're like sixty thousand, and they're the only ones that have silver. Silver, that's right. I remember, um, uh, they, they used to be silver, didn't there? No. Uh, I see. I can't. I can't silver. actually say, but I've never actually heard silver until I actually looked this up. So I don't think so. But in the UK, sixty thousand is silver. Gold, gold, I tell you, <laughs> sorry, is a hundred thousand copies sold, and platinum is three hundred thousand sold. Of course, this goes obviously by the amount of people you have in the country. Canada is a lot like the uh, the UK in many regards, in that uh, gold is forty thousand. This is starting to get really pretty monotonous, just numbers now. But platinum is eighty thousand copies sold, and diamond, we have diamond is 800,000. It's funny because the states have like the diamond is 10 million. And for us, not us, but but in Canada, diamond is unreachable, 800,000. Unobtainable. (laughs) The unobtainable 800,000 copies. What? Somebody sold 800,000? Raise the diamond mark again. (laughs) And in France, this is just outrageous. But in France, an album that sells 50,000 francs. (laughs) 50,000 francs. If you sell 50,000 copies along with a beret, you get gold. And uh, if you sell 100,000 uh, or one of those plastic things with a beret, <laughs> it's platinum. <laughs> and uh, France also has the outrageous number of 500,000. For platinum. For diamond. Diamond. Diamond, you stinking Englishman! You know, gold, platinum, and diamond. I, I don't know. They, they didn't think that out very. It's funny now. Diamond. It goes from it goes from ten million in the states all the way down to eight hundred thousand for Canada, and then for France, it goes all the way down to five hundred thousand. It's like from ten million. <laughs> In the States, to France, we just care about if we get to 500,000, I tell you. Stinking English. They probably like uh, loan out their records and do a lot of taping. That's why they don't sell too many. What are you, say? Are you saying the French are uh, no. illegally uh, obtaining their music? <laughs> I'm saying everybody's illegally obtaining their music. That is true. Ooh, I got to stop. Um, by the way, speaking of France, uh, on our anniversary episode, which is two weeks from now uh we will be having our french correspondent from france from paris uh bora bora who will be commenting 
on our first year of our show. <laughs> oh, boy. And I think it's going to be complimentary. Of course, I'm a little bit insane. <laughs> but we're we also on our uh, anniversary show. We will, of course, have Foster Brooks, who we bumped from the Christmas show because we ran out of time. He's excited. Although he's not returning our calls, I'm pretty sure he'll return it by the time the show comes on. Having alcohol-induced memory loss. <laughs> take over there. He's starting to actually feel like he's taking alcohol, even though he doesn't really drink anymore. Just pretends. Well, but, he, and he just, but he forget it. He should. That that what I was going to say was going nowhere, and I realized <laughs> it right in the middle, so I stopped myself. <laughs> Oh, I just want to comment before we end odds and ends. Is just, uh, over the holiday season, I got to see um, on the old tube a Christmas special. Oh, so many, so many Christmas things. By the way, if you got the Hallmark Channel, it's like twenty-four hour Christmas movies, and they all have the same plot. It's just different people. So <laughs> they do. Oh, I, I'm having a miserable Christmas here in the uh, in the big city. I'm going to go to the country where I I came from. Not the country, like Ukraine or something like that, but the no, country, but like the, uh, into the country, like out into the rural, areas. yeah, into the rural areas, and then they they reconnect with their sweetheart. The, from oh yeah, 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 college. yeah. Mom watches lots of those. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. and then all of a sudden, uh, they 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 rediscover the spirit of Christmas. And something uh, occurs to put Christmas in jeopardy, but they pull together and save Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because somebody wants to buy the local store, <laughs> turn it into a museum. They're all the same. So, anyways, uh, I got to watch uh, the documentary movie about Linda Ronstadt called uh, "The Sound of My Voice." A lot of you may have seen that already, and it was just excellent. I have to admit that it was really, really good. Not a huge fan of documentaries. Uh, I, I like not. I mean, I love, I love docu documentaries. I love documentaries, but I'm not a huge fan of music documentaries because sometimes they can be a little biased. It's biased, and little, and uh... the thing about Linda Ronstadt is that there's not a lot of it, it. It's hard to be biased because it's she hasn't really done anything salacious or yeah, like she's just she's just pretty much sings <laughs> like there's no like oh I she was hasn't really, uh... bitten off the heads off any bats yeah or, uh, <laughs> tuned her guitar for half an hour on stage but she's such a she's such a cool person and uh and you have to understand like if you were in the 70s like when we were really young kids if you're like 10 years old and linda ronstadt was like that there was nobody else like like seriously, like there was nobody else who was taken, like who would go to number one on the charts with a single over and over again. Who was a woman? There was just nobody else. She was literally the yeah. queen. They called her the queen of rock, and and she was, but really she was almost the queen of music because she was like a few of them had periods where uh, they were, uh, you know, uh, popular for two, three, four albums on the. She was pretty steady. She was steady. And, of course, everybody knows who listens to the show on a regular <laughs> basis how I feel about Linda Ronstadt. But they, uh, when they went into the, the post-70s stuff, when she was, like, she did the opera Pirates of Penzance, and she sang, she never sang opera before, and yet she's singing it as they show the clips from it. <laughs> like, spot on. I mean, seriously, it has to be has to be one of the greatest singers not in the 70s of all of all time, time. 
seriously, like right in the top five. And just, just, you know, you're watching these clips of her sing and you're kind of welling up because just the voice and, and the diction, like people have great voices, right? And then there are some people who don't have great voices, but have great diction. They know how to say the words that, and how it affects you. And Dylan is one of those. He doesn't have a great voice, but he's a great singer because he knows how to sing the voice, the, the words. She can, can combine both with a great voice and be yeah, able to capture the emotion the... of the lyrics. And then when you listen to it together, it, it just makes you go, oh, <laughs> so I that's... don't want to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> so that's what we're supposed to be doing when we sing. Exactly. Ah, damn. <laughs> and of course, kind of ended on a sad note because Linda doesn't sing anymore because she has Parkinson's and can't. But it really wasn't a sad movie. It was really uh, an overdue uh, congratulations and for her work which really should have been like she wasn't really celebrated in the 70s because everybody thought and I remember I remember like she sold so many records but she was thought of as oh this chick singer who sings other people's songs doesn't even write them uh you know looks really beautiful and whatever yeah. you I know the uh the beauty was a bit distracting too because you you wouldn't connect it with it was it was and uh trust me the critics critics were kind to her because she was making great music but they never gave her 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 due as an artist and and everything that she was like she found all the songs that she she sang and she helped rearrange them like a linda ronstadt song once it was rearranged became her song you know yeah, so you anyways, remember it for her version rather than the original. Yes, exactly. Uh, just mm-hmm. an exceptional artist. And if you can catch the movie, please do. I know it's playing on CNN um, because they are the ones who put up the money for the movie in the first place. So catch <clears> it if you can. And now it's time. For ready. I'm getting your email. No, we're not uh, doing email this week, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because we've got a jam-packed show. But it is time. For 70s memories. 70s memories. <sighs> Rob didn't do it. I'll have to do it because Rob's job as second banana is teetering on not being here. Papa, don't take no mess. No, wrong one. <laughs> ah. So, and now it's time for 70s memories. 70s memories. And Linda uh, Ronstadt, she never sang like that. Never. No, she couldn't. She, she, she doesn't couldn't, know how. And that was the one thing I hold against her. So, yeah. anyways, today we are going to be discussing actually a couple of game shows that I'm laughing because it's actually I I I watch it quite a bit when I'm <laughs> during the day when I'm trying to supposed to be uh, like working on scripts and things like that. But there are a couple of shows that were so 1970s that you can't have any conversation about TV in the 70s without at least one of these shows showing up in a conversation. And, and it, obviously, it, I'm talking about the famous match game. Okay, and I was going to ask, did the other one involve Monty Hall? No. Jeez, oh, okay. I hated that. I, I hate, you know, I, I don't, I really hate I really hated uh, Let's Make a Deal. <laughs> and I, oh, I, I, I'm sorry for people who love Let's Make a Deal, but you ought uh, to be punched in the face, probably. really hard. 
I'm thinking of actually a show that not, not many people watched, but it, it was so kooky. It was Tattletales. I don't know if anybody remembers Tattletales. I don't remember Tattletales. No Tattletales. I want to talk about Tattletales first because Match Game. Uh... So many people know about Match Game, but Tattletales, and this is a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good for TV, if you know what I mean. It's such a 70s idea, is that you have three teams made up of celebrities, and the teams are um, supposed to be married or going out. Like in Hollywood. Couples. Couples from Hollywood. So I look this up like I do all my research. And I'm looking at all the, the episodes, you know, online. And I'm going like, wow, like uh, most of these couples are together. Well, a lot of them are dead, unfortunately, because <laughs> it's a 70s show. A lot of them, uh, you're saying the but relationship no, what I'm didn't saying, last. What I'm saying is that even as they got into the 1980s, a lot of these couples were together. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst concepts it have like in Hollywood. Would be like to have a Hollywood couples on there, and a lot of them did. I think though. it's a great a lot concept. Of them, a lot of them did. Catch them while they're still together. Catch them while they're still That's what the name <laughs> of the show should be called. Tattletales. And you can catch Tattletales on, like, uh, if you want to watch old uh, reruns of it on uh, YouTube. They got classic shows. Uh, not, I don't know how many, but I watched one or two in doing my research. And uh, I remember when I was a kid. I remember it was like uh, it was on after Match Game or something like that, but I, it was very adult. You know how Match Game was was more like a party, and uh, I don't know when you're like 80 years old or whatever, and you're watching Tattletales and them talking about marriage, you're kind of like you're losing me. Yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of references you weren't going to get, and they couldn't uh, say certain things, so they had to use euphemisms. Yeah, but Match Game that was fun. <clears throat> Because it looked like they were having, oh, they used euphemism in Smash Game all the time. and uh, But in Tattletales, they were talking about adult things, like, uh, I'm not talking about too much sexual things, but just like, oh, why didn't you take out the garbage? And then it was like, well, that's pretty boring, man. Like when you're eight or nine or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I, I only think I watched a couple episodes when I was a kid, just because it was kind of neat seeing the stars and their wives and stuff like that, or or, or vice versa, the you know, Seeing them, yeah, outside of the uh, the movie theater, yeah, outside yeah, it of was, TV, it was kind of very seventies, almost almost mm. a swinging type of atmosphere. <laughs> it just had that swinging type of thing, like like when the show was over, it's like you like my wife, I like yours. <laughs> um, but really, what I want to talk about was Match Game, which was so seventies, <laughs> and it proved it because by the time it got to the eighties, it was canceled, even though it just keeps on coming, like. People cannot get enough of the Match Game reruns. And, of course, they have the new show, the Revival show with Alec Baldwin hosting. And it's just like people cannot have enough of celebrities giving risque answers for some reason. And they, you know what? It's, it's actually well, like Tattletales where they like to see like um, celebrities. their, their job celebrities is to entertain. So entertaining them, but being themselves by being themselves, not a character. Uh, and uh, I think, plus there was a good chemistry on Match Game with, with you know. Uh, that host. That host. Well, Gene, Gene Rayburn, one of the best hosts uh, of a, of a uh, not a talk show, of a game show. game show that you can get. Very funny. But you had, um, I just had a lot of risque answers. I, I'm just amazed at how great it was because of the humor they were allowed to do. Like humor in the 70s, 
where you were allowed to uh, actually mention like gay uh, people, the Chinese guys down the street. Yeah, you could like, and and it was all never poking fun at people and making it mean, because listen, they they did a lot of, you know, if there was a good looking woman contestant on there, all the guys were looking at her. And that's okay because actually they did that too with with the guys that were on there that looked like beefcakes. They would make kind of fun of them or have jokes with them about how good looking they were. Oh, I bet you can be a model out here. So it was a, a kind of an equal opportunity kind of uh, thing, and it was so seventies. And then there was, um, to you know, especially with the gay humor. There's almost gay humor in every of episode of Match Game. The premise of Match Game. Well, I'll get to that in a second. What do they do? Um, Shut up. <laughs> What's going on? It's no game show to me if I don't know what the game is. What is going on? But the thing is, is that you had a couple of gay people actually as celebrities. And there was a lot of gay, there was never any gay bashing. But they had like Charles Nelson Riley, who was gay. And they had Fanny Flagg, who was a lesbian. And sometimes there was just as many gay people as celebrities as there were uh, straight people, so it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, mean mean in any sort. Even though there was really some mean things that the celebrities would say to each other that you couldn't do today, like you're so ugly. No, you're so ugly, and like things like that. <laughs> or your career is going down a tube. Like there's a lot of that shit on that show that's pretty amazing. Like the insults are kind of in this day and age when we've been so softened up. Just one of these days, I like to call somebody fatso. That'd be fun. So anyways, for Rob, <laughs> who's kind of an idiot, <laughs> sorry, Rob, but what the, the game yeah, is, it never you, happens had, you had two contestants and, and they would say, oh, so Fat Harold was walking down the street and all of a sudden he fell into a blank. Oh, and they had to come with a similar or same answer. <sighs> yes. Okay. So I do have I don't, see, now I don't want to talk about Vague it. memory of it. <laughs> Like, uh, I don't understand how you didn't watch Magic. I remember coming home every day from school, and it would, like, be on right after you came home from school, and I would just watch it. Uh... Star Trek was on. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not at that time. It was on, like, 5. 4.30. 4.30 or 4.35, but yeah. uh, Match Game was on, like, 4. You live closer to the school. I had a longer walk. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh Wow, you just you just kind of deflated my seventies memories. Uh, anyways, match game, great show, and uh... yeah, let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> the DDD and the you da, see da, da. you see what Whatever a bad second banana can do to a second. <laughs> so, well, you know, if you brought this up in rehearsal, yeah, but you weren't there, and neither were you. Yes, but my second was there. <laughs> I won't let my understudy show up. I might be replaced. <laughs> oh, yes. I was looking at, uh, by the way, some chimpanzees during the holiday break, and they did. Uh, yeah, too they difficult were to pretty feed. funny. Too difficult to feed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Are we going to go straight to the. I guess we should. We're, out, we're halfway through the show, Rob. We could. Uh... Oh, I want to bring this up in case I forget. Um, you will forget, unless you bring it up now. I just wanted to mention uh, we're going to have something new coming this year to the show, which is movies from the 70s. 
and I will be talking about a favorite or unfavorite movie of the 70s. It doesn't have to be great movies all the time. And Rob can talk about I will tell you whether your assessment is accurate or not. Rob can talk about a movie if he likes or dislikes, but he won't. <laughs> nope. If you give Rob an assignment, he won't do it. So, but he will chime in. Now, this is there's a difference between this segment and, of course, our record review segment is that we will probably do the movie segment like once a month, whereas, of course, our record review is every episode, and the main part of our show is our record review. And I will listen to the records, but I and, may not have seen well, the Well, I'm just, well, duh. And, and both of us don't have to see the movie. Uh, for one of us to come in and talk about for For me, because it's really my segment, because you can't give Rob a segment because it will turn into a disaster. So I'll prove you wrong someday. So just if, not with this if show. Rob has something to say <laughs> about the movie, then he'll he'll talk about it. And if not, then uh, he'll talk about it anyways. Except you won't know what the hell he's talking. Yeah, about. yeah, just like Match Game. Whereas, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't watched Match Game. I mean, that's that's why are you here? So, anyways, seventies. Uh, you know, in the record review, the record review is is, is totally different concept than than the movie thing the movie thing was actually uh a suggestion by one of our viewers who wrote a really nice note to me uh an email to me about uh about how he loves the show and he loves everything about the 70s and the 70s movies were great and i love reviews of the 70s he had he had like i don't know four paragraphs that he wrote me and i thought you know what there's a lot of 70s movies i like to talk about um, but not on a, not on a basis of doing what we do here, but just, just as a segment once in a while, just, just to throw it casually. in. Casually. Yeah, exactly. See, like, cause when we go into, um, uh, album reviews, that's uh, pretty darn serious. We've got fist fights after the show. Yeah. Just not with each other. And also the, another thing about not having Rob review movies is that he's going to review movies like, yeah, you know, oh. He's taking it up, though. You know that. Movies like that. He used to watch movies It'd like that. It'd be all science fiction. <laughs> all science When fiction. I was a kid, I couldn't understand how they could make movies that weren't did you, did you hear that? Because that was good. I said, oh, the movie called, yeah, he's taking it up the Yahoo. <laughs> no, 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 no. You think of Hello, Sailor. <laughs> Hello, Sailor. <laughs> One of Ron's favorite movies from 1978. <laughs> Those sailors did some stuff. Anyways, that will be coming, if not next week, then the week after for sure, at the latest. Um, we just wanted, I just wanted to tell you that. Just, just prepare yourself, because if you if you if you tune in and then you go, oh, what the hell are they talking about movies? Oh, what the hell? And I say, listen, I warned you. Yeah, I warned you. They weren't silent movies. They had sounds. They were in the seventies. Right. Did they? Oh yeah, some of them. Yeah. Most of them had sound, right? I'm trying to think of a silent movie from the 70s. A silent movie, actually, from Mel Brooks. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks, William B. So, uh, we're going to talk about uh, this week on our record review uh, section, as we segue nicely into it. We're going to talk about Is Janis Joplin's posthumous <laughs> January 1971 album, uh, Pearl. And... Uh, it's kind of a difficult album because, uh, well, it was almost done, and then unfortunately Janice died. I mean, more than unfortunately. I mean, it was extremely tragic. Yeah, I always thought she passed away after the album. But I didn't realize it was during the recording of the album, and that actually uh, influenced some things on it. 
Uh, yeah. Um, actually, the album was really 95% done. She actually had, and this is where it gets complicated as far as my review goes. Because um, the album was 95% done. She had one more vocal to do on the song Buried Alive in the Blues, which uh, was released on the album as an instrumental. Because that was the song she was supposed to do the, the, the day that she was supposed to come in. And, of course, she didn't come into the studio. And their road manager went to go find her. And then, unfortunately, she was in her uh motel uh apartment uh dead already from the night before so it's interesting that that yes all the album tracks were picked by janice as these are the takes which it happen doesn't doesn't happen too often there are times when somebody's working on an album and they die and then they really patchwork it together yeah and this wasn't really so much patched work together because Janice had picked the takes. All these songs that have the vocals on them were the vocals she wanted on on every song, of course, except for the instrumental. And so um, I'm going to get to where a little bit later in this review about about that because nobody talks about it much, but it still wasn't exactly... Like, until the artist signs off on it with overdubs and stuff like that, then it's really a Janis Joplin album. I'm not being critical. I'm just being truthful. Uh, there could have been some some things done or whatever. that. So you can't say that this was 100% totally what Janis would have wanted, but it's pretty damn close. That's about 80%. Yes, at least. 80 to 90. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. So... Uh, mm -hmm. uh, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, you know, they she was recording with uh, a really great band, the Full Tilt Boogie Band, and um, they were recording over the summer uh, and just early fall of 1970. And like I said, they were working really well, getting along well. And uh, when it was 69, they were recording, and then they were they said in seven. No, uh, 70, they were recording it in 71. They oh, were that's when I came January and 71. <laughs> Remember the theme of this month is uh, albums released in January? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the first month of the uh, the decade, but it's just uh, in January. No, so, like I said, uh, and Janice was off, even though Janice was always a hard drinker, she was kind of off heroin for quite a while. But uh, from all instances, and this is really kind of sad, but it's it's interesting anyways in a sad sort of way, is that I don't know why, but she decided to um, have that heroin that, that night after being pretty much clean of it, which is very tough because your system's not used to it. Plus, it's on of, this one of weekend, the more addictive substances. What? One of the more addictive substances. Heroin, yeah, I would think so. It's up there, <laughs> up there with nicotine. <laughs> Heroin is addictive, really. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so <laughs> well, there's levels of addictiveness. Oh, I know, I know what you mean. That one's the far side of the bell curve there. Uh, and it just so happens that her her connection 
um, didn't take heroin. He just distributed it to people. And that weekend, uh, the guy who usually tests it, like, you know, takes a little dab in their mouth or whatever. To make sure he doesn't die. To make sure, yeah, well, to make sure how strong it is. Because you can't die by going and just taking a little bit of on your tongue and, and he could find out. But he was gone that weekend. And so he decided to to kind of make it himself, the dealer, and didn't take heroin. So he didn't know how strong it was. But I guess it was like at least 80 proof. It was pretty strong. And uh, I forget the... I forget the numbers, but many people died that weekend from that that particular batch. That particular batch. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I do. I did read the numbers, but I can't remember. But it was quite a few people died, unfortunately, that weekend. And uh, Janice having a low tolerance because she was off it, and probably would have died anyways. It was that strong, to be honest with you. Uh, it's just really sad. You, know, you come back to uh, drinking or uh, any of the, the chemicals after a long time off, and you just don't need as much to get to where you. No, want. yeah, it's like when you drink and you haven't. If you if you're yeah. if you're a drinker and you haven't had a drink for like three months, you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna get uh, looped pretty quickly. Some of the guys drink regularly at work. You know, they can go home drink six beer. I'm asleep after a beer and a half. Yeah, Rob's not a drinker, but he'll drink. I'm a week. Small. I'm a weekend drinker. Yeah. But boy, when those weekends. Yeah, get the hell out of my way. <laughs> so getting to the album, which um, uh, is just the progression of this album from when Janice started, which was with Big Brother and the Holding Company and very raw and very psychedelic. This album is uh, is a, a maturation from from 67 to 70, where it's very smooth. The Full Tilt Boogie Band is just excellent and uh, accompaniment, just just brilliant, actually. They were scary good. Really they good. were scary good. All Canadians, you know, came from, almost, most of them came from the Ronnie Hawkins, as almost all musicians That's the connection. from Canada at the time. Um, and uh, it was, I'm getting kind of tongue-tied here. I don't know why, but the album was going, I could see... By listening to this album, there was so much potential because you could see where she was going, and it was into a, a kind of a soul type of. Uh, I initially thought blues. Then I'm looking at the uh, the genres that it has picked out, and blues rock actually describes it a little better for me. Really? Okay. Yeah. I I looked at it more like soul, like more like. Uh, the, so by rock. the way, the vocals are brilliant, but they're restrained. They're they're absolutely perfect, actually. Yeah, I'd listen to vocals. I'm wondering, uh, would she get signed nowadays uh, with her voice? Like uh, on this records album, companies would. would say, yeah, you know, uh, you're too rough. Uh, we're looking for uh, someone who sounds more like this. No, I agree. I agree that before, mm. I don't think she would have, which is sad. I mean, it's Janice has one of the greatest. Yeah. Vocals, one of the greatest vocalists of all time. And you think that she wouldn't even be signed? I don't think yes. that in her early days I think she would have. Nowadays. I really don't think. I think this album she would have been like if this was her demo. Yeah, this might have uh, might have. By they, 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 they could have gotten around uh, that she doesn't have the uh, the voice they're looking for. That's the best. Right, because been. it's 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 more reined in. It's it's more controlled, uh, but it's also. 
raw, raw. Very it's raw. also raw. It's it's everything. Uh, you get you get the emotion of every lyric she's singing. In fact, you know you get it and more. It's very, it's 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 on another plane, and that's what makes it sad, is because she was just starting to find the groove. If you thought she was a great singer in her first three years of uh, her professional career, I mean, now she was just starting phase two because this is kind of a more of a smooth soul blues more restrained more production uh tough to put into words you know when you kind of listen to it that she was moving into a like uh i don't know a marvin gay type thing they were me. getting Anyways, tighter that's for sure they were and at the oh very tight band instead of the looseness that she was involved with before and it's just the control of the voice just knowing when to sing ruckus and knowing when to bring it in and just the total control that she had is stunning, is absolutely stunning on this album. And there's not a dud on here except for the instrumental that Janice doesn't sing. I'm glad she didn't sing it because I don't like the song. I don't like Very Live in the Blues. I've heard it maybe once or twice with vocals, and I still don't like it. Um, it probably would have made the album because I think she really probably If she put song. her vocals over it. Uh... It would have made a better song for sure but um there's not and you go on this album and you go from it's either a really good song or it's a really great (laughs) there is no no, that's pretty mediocre oh i don't know about that except for the one i'm talking about all the other songs that janice sings are are exemplary and they're just there's just so much love put into it to to make Janice sound good, you know, by the players and the songwriters and and the producer Paul Rothschild, yeah. of course, produced the Doors, and there was just so much to make Janice sound good, uh, including Janice. I mean, she was really on the straight and narrow when she was doing this album. One of the great examples, of course, which I'm going to bring up, is the classic "Me and Bobby McGee." Now, again, it's one of those songs that even when Janice does it. I mean, it's a it's one of the most brilliantly written songs you're ever going to hear by Chris Christopherson. Just a brilliantly written song as far as lyrics are concerned. Like the lyrics are just are almost like every line is like a a, a, a it motto. It kind of grabs you, like yeah. a motto that you would put up. You know, um, that's the kind of language you want to use, or the kind of wording you want to use when you're writing songs. Exactly. Something I find that, that grabs Chris people's attention. It holds you listening rather than. Uh, you're kind of half listening and half thinking, uh, geez, uh, what am I doing tomorrow morning? Let me think. Uh, they're, they're, that is such a good point. And I, I get that so much with Christopherson's writing. His good writing is that it's almost like, man, I wish I could talk like that in real life. <laughs> and I wish I could write that like that when I write my lyrics. It's just it's just poetic, but it's not above your head. It's more like street yeah. poetics. It sounds like natural language that a human would use. Yes. I hear um, a lot of lyricists uh they get real metaphorical. They uh, try and sound Shakespearean just to try and make the other uh, words fit uh, the rhythm and the rhyme. But if you can uh, do that kind of poetry and just make it sound like you're speaking. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And you're, uh, you're onto something. the lines coming out of this song is just like, it's just, it's just, it's just so realistic and yet so above without, 
you know what I mean? Like, oh man, like I can't write stuff like that. That's way above me. And yet it doesn't seem like that when you listen to it, but when you analyze it, you go, oh, what a line. Oh, what a line. But when you're listening to it, it seems so natural. And then when Janice does it, again, it doesn't sound like a, a conventional, uh, this is going to be a big number one song because it's it's a kind of a weird arrangement and i love songs that are successful with a weird arrangement or are brilliantly done without the traditional verse chorus verse chorus one and a good example yeah. to me when i was listening to it a couple times of course we've all heard the song a million times but when you actually analyze it like even the the after she does the two verses and two choruses and then she sings the la la la's how emotional mm. And the bass just kind of rocks like a yes. of water. It just walks in the water, and <clears> the <throat> instrumentation behind her is great. And, and it's just something like she's almost doing lyrics, but she's not saying anything. And you're you're kind of like stunned, going, "Wow, that's a great, that's kind of a great um, verse." But it's not a verse. She's just going da 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 da, and then she puts more emotion into it as it goes on, but she's still not saying words. And people think, oh, well, she's just, you know, there's there's a brilliance to that in that she knows what she's doing. This is not just I'm going to sing along to this in a la-la-la. Yeah. La, la. And I can tell by listening to it, like, this is this is meant to be. This is what I feel should go here. And it works as almost like a solo. You know what I mean, Rob? Instead of a guitar solo, yeah. it's her singing la-la-la. The and... fact that she was as good as she was at singing, uh, that... Made it a lot easier to uh, to make that an entertaining part. I think a lot of other people couldn't. Uh, they could do the la la las, but you'd be like uh, kind of a little embarrassed listening to it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You are it not embarrassed listening to this. Else, I'm not like, saying this anybody cool. else, but I'll, I'll say 95% of people who tried to do what Janice did in the middle of that song, it would sound embarrassing. Yes, they would kind of fail and at it. And... She actually made it seem like. It was not only part of the song, but an important part, like just as important important as the lyrics, where there is none. And that that's, and then and then it builds up, and it goes into the end where it goes, and then the band builds up, and then, and you think, and then she's kind of like wailing in the background, you know, like Bobby McGee, and then she's singing and she's singing, and you think it's gonna fade out, and then it ends. <laughs> Like a brilliant band, exactly like you did. Like, boom. Like it's supposed to. Like you're caught off guard. I remember always when I was listening to it when I was young, being caught off guard that it ended. Yeah. But in a good way because it sounded natural. You're thinking it's going to fade out or they're going to go into another part or another verse. Nope. Perfect. It's what you call one of those 10 out of 10 songs that I'm sorry, if you can find something that's not brilliant about every part of that song then uh point it out to me because i just i just think that when you dissect it's one of those you should never dissect a song because you can always find faults in it but there are precious yeah. few that you say i can't find any faults in that and they do try a lot of things you know what i mean like they try a lot of things in that song it's not verse chorus verse chorus they they have like i said they have uh janice uh, you know they modulate at that one point go up the head of the step and uh for the mood it's a complicated song to play i mean it's not it's not complicated as far as chords but it's complicated as far as the arrangement is concerned anyways i don't want to get too much onto it but brilliance and as much as i love side one which which, which was great 
Psy 2 just blew me out of the water. Yeah, you remember how we were talking the, uh, with the Grease soundtrack where how you had uh, you know, the, the, all these copies of the albums. One side was worn out, three were unlistened to. Unlistenable. <laughs> <laughs> this one, both sides got listened to. Yeah. Both, that's that's well, one of the that, things that makes this a really good album. Is I don't know if both I don't, sides are really I kind of doubt that Janice got to the point of, of, of actually positioning the songs. Because it seems like every song fits perfectly where it's supposed yeah, to fit. Yeah, it does. And even, especially Mercedes-Benz. Now, my, now she recorded Mercedes-Benz as the last thing before that weekend. Usually, that on died. anything but a concept album, putting the arrangement of the songs is one of the last things you do. So. Right. I think I didn't think she did that. She might have said, oh, this this song would be good as an opener for a side or whatever. Yeah. But it was probably done after. Done brilliantly, anyways, whoever did it. But one of the worst things they could have done was the magnificent Mercedes-Benz, which sounds just like a, a just a little ditty, but it has become part of our, our cultural icon, this, this little minute and 46-second a cappella song. And you could definitely say this song should be at the end of the album because it's the last thing she did before she died, two days later or whatever, and let's put it at the end of the album. But it's a sad ending to the album in a way because, you know, she laughs at the end and then, and then that's it, right? Yeah. Like... But they end it with two songs that first you have a very soothing song written for her right after Mercedes Benz, which is Trust Me, which is actually my second favorite song in the album because it's such a beautiful song. And it comes right after Mercedes Benz, which is just it's after Mercedes Benz and you miss Janice so much because you hear that <laughs> that wonderful yeah, <laughs> You don't want to end an album with missing Janice and being sad because she's not there. So what they did was they put Trust Me right after, which is a very soothing and a beautiful vocal. It's a very smooth, soulful song. And it really does like put you on a bed, kind of like make you rest, you know, like you're floating in a cloud, which is exactly what you want to do to ease the pain of knowing that Janice is not there anymore after Mercedes Benz. And then it ends with kind of a statement, which is get it while you can, which the whole lyrics are a statement it's almost an autobiographical song by janice and she even says we may not be here tomorrow she even sings that in the song and but it's not sad it's it's usually when artist sings that they're just uh yeah, putting some words in a song <laughs> yeah exactly and i didn't feel i didn't feel like that i felt that there was so much heart in every single word that she was singing yeah. in this album that not one word was a throwaway or just to, to make up space. Pretty powerful singing for a white chick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a strong statement, Rob. <laughs> Don't go out on a limb or anything. Am I wrong? <laughs> so what's uh what's your what's your take? I, we kind of this is the only take. Janice Joplin album I have. She only did two. But uh, this one I actually have, and like I say, I listened to both sides back when I was um, I had a record player, and love both sides. Uh, when I gave it this listen, uh, I'd forgotten "Buried Alive" in the blues, and uh, listening to it uh, without researching, I thought, uh, "Hey man, uh, you know, uh, doing an instrumental on a that, uh, an album that's you know primarily featuring uh, a singer, that's kind of cool." <laughs> then you, you read the circumstances. Then you read the circumstances of why it has no. You're sick. Not having Janice on there was actually a good idea. You sick. We man. can really showcase the band's talents. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it did. Uh, 
my first comment was, you know, if this uh, blues is not a thing that I really am exposed to that much. As much as this is not traditional blues, it's very blues style. It's very is a, a blues sound to it. Mm -hmm. I got to thinking of if all blues sounded uh, similar to this or similar to Muddy Waters album that we reviewed, I would have been listening to it a whole lot more often. But this was a rare pearl. I don't know. I I I, uh, I kind of I kind of heard something like I've heard this album many times. Uh, many a, times in, I've 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 had it for in a clamshell. I love this album. I know, I know, but I just have, I have, I just, I just don't think of it as a blues. I mean, there is blues in it. I just don't. See you don't it as see a it as blues. Okay. I really don't. I, and maybe that's because I've, I've heard like her other albums, like the the two albums she did with Big Brother, and then her album, her her only other solo album that she did before this. I mean, I've heard all her albums. Would you and... say there is a little more bougie woogie in this? <laughs> you know. It's just so finely. I just feel so much soul in it. Like this, like how soul became in the seventies with Al Green and stuff. That's how I see it. Now, okay. maybe it's because I've heard the other albums and they're a lot rougher and they're a lot bluesier and they're a lot more psychedelic. This is really tame. Maybe that's why I think it's so so smooth soul. And maybe ears like yours that haven't heard her other albums, maybe you're even more correct because because yeah, I'm not I'm more. not I'm not I'm not comparing it to any anything, which is kind of like what I what I almost have to do because I have heard those albums, so I can't help myself. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can't go and unhear those other albums. So maybe on the surface, you're maybe you're right, and I'm just saying compared to the other albums, it really sounds more soulful than blues to me. Although there are definite blues things in it. Yes. I think actually you're... you're One of them is you, not, is you not might... structure. It is not blues structure. You don't hear too much any 12 bar in this. Well, that brings just to the <clears throat> point that Janice is just a natural blues singer. And if you put her in any context, uh, it's going to be a blues album. And then on that, have I that would blues I would agree with you. It, somehow. I would agree with you. That, yeah. It has a blues sound without being blues. That's why, yeah. So the only other thing I wanted to say was the thing I started off with at the beginning with, is that the only trouble that I've had, I've had a little, like just a speck of trouble, just a little speck, Rob, <laughs> of trouble with this album for the for the many years that I've listened to it, is is that since Janice wasn't there, and they did work on this album after Janice died as far as overdubs and concerned, because obviously she died in October of 1970 and this album was released in January of 1971. So it wasn't like, Oh, we'll just put the instrumental on and then rush it out there. There was overdubs put on. I think it made the album and this is just really nitpicking, but since Janice wasn't there to say which overdubs sound good, blah, blah, blah. Maybe we should make this rougher. I think it sounds a little bit too polished. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. And that's my only small quibble, and it's the only thing that prevents me from giving this five-star classic album is because I think that it really has just that ending of Janice to the album that it should have, which is which is a little bit of harshness, which I think, not knowing Janice, only being like three years old when she died. But still, knowing Janice as the public persona, as I do, 
I think she might not have, she might have, but she might not have allowed a couple of overdubs to make it more smooth, to make it more accessible to the public. Okay, and yeah. that, every time I listen to this album, I go, ah, oh, it's a little bit smooth for Janice. She and that's just, but that's. the Lennon over the McCartney. Yes, or the McCartney over Lennon. <laughs> like she would show the Lennon over the McCartney, but they're showing the McCartney over the Lennon, you know, the, the, yeah, yeah. and, um, that's always held me back. And it's not this, this past week, this is years that I've always felt, how come I, how come I just can't give it that five stars? And it's just because I think Janice's little touches at the end are it's not there. Because there's a shadow of a doubt. This is, yes. Maybe she wrote all the stuff down for who should do what, what it should sound like and left the instructions and then you don't know, but. There's always a shadow of a doubt <laughs> as to what actually that 10%. What it could have been. Would yeah. have sounded like. And if it was, if it was blown me away, <laughs> and it's hard Try to, to imagine that. it better. Try to imagine it. Better. And I can't imagine it better, but I can imagine it a little rougher. Yeah. I really can. And that's the part that I kind of miss from this album. And it's just a maybe little that was taken away a bit. That's what I mean uh. is I think Janice's little contribution at the end. Uh, let's make that solo a little, or, you know, almost like, Rock and roll is made to have imperfections, as Sam Phillips said. Yeah. That it's got to have a mistake here or there. There doesn't seem to be any mistakes here. It seems to be a little bit too clean, a little bit too perfect. And that's why I give it four and a half out of five, even though I absolutely love this record. There's not a, except for the one song Janice isn't on, uh, it's, there's not a, even close to a dud on this record. It's, uh, but to me, it's not a masterpiece because Jan Janice didn't put the final stamp on it. Okay. I still, I couldn't find anything wrong with it. I love it to start to finish. It's an enjoyable listen. It shows some really incredibly talented people. I don't like don't listen out, to me, Rob. I don't like you giving get, out too Rob many five-star ratings, but goes. I'm doing it again. There you go. <laughs> no, I just felt that I was swaying you into probably taking a half-star, and you shouldn't. If no. you feel it's a five-star record, give it to me. I feel that it's a five-star record song-wise and vocal-wise. I just feel that little bit of, of, of uh, production I, value to it that Janice didn't really... I like Buried Alive in the Blues, so... <laughs> really? Well, no, uh, well, now you say it at the right at the end of the review. <laughs> See, once again, you know, um, uh, you wonder what it would have sounded like with Janice, and uh, I've only discovered that she wasn't on it uh, by accident today or yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I'd always heard that as just kind of uh, the band cutting loose. That's what it uh, was to me. Actually, it's my perception. That also contributes to me taking a half star off. Uh, as brilliant as this album is, it's not a masterpiece because of Buried Alive in the Blues. That one track is missing. That it's got a missing track. track. Missing. And, the, and, the, and Janice's stamp of approval. And you think that that's a lot, but the album is so brilliant that it still only gets a half star off. <laughs> really, you know. Um, so uh, anyways, we both agree. If you have a rock and roll collection, this has to be in it as far as we're concerned. We got to do a stinker of an album sometimes. <laughs> well, we you want to do another grease? You know how painful that was. <laughs> oh my god! So uh, we're going to have another album released early in the seventies, January uh, next week. January seventy-two. It is actually. 
Okay, and then our good, last good. album is going to be from January 73. And then that's where we end. All right, and, then we're back uh, to... Uh, then we're back to something else. Oh, yeah. Something crazy. Hey, hey, Rob, have something crazy. That was my uh, old guy voice. Hey, Rob, have something crazy. <laughs> I can imagine. No, I'll stay off your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get off my lawn, you stupid guy? So anyways, I think Janet would like that. We ended our show like that. I think. With the old guy. <laughs> Chasing people away. <laughs> Man, it's cold <laughs> out here. <laughs> my hands. So, next week, weeks. By the way, we expect it to be even colder next week. <laughs> Sir, your misfortune is so humorous. So we're gonna we're gonna do a two-hour show next. No, if we do a two-hour show, nobody will listen to the last hour. So uh, tune in next week. We got uh, another great uh, show planned. I got a lot of great shows planned already for this year. So if you're thinking that we've uh, shown our, our blown our load already no we can't no we've got so much coming for you you won't even know what happened and remember two weeks from now we have our first anniversary show even though i should i should mention this is actually our first anniversary oh but uh, we, we're gonna wait to do the show for a week but we're waiting because it's also our 50th show in two weeks so no, we decided right. to combine the fifth no 100 no wait a 50th, yes 50th show. It's our 50th show next week. Where the heck did I Not miss next show? week. Shut up! <laughs> next two, two weeks from now is our 50th show, and we're combining it as our first anniversary show, even though this week is actually when we first came on the air uh, in 2019. Anyways, we're over time. Way over time. So uh, have a good week, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Don't, don't, you <laughs> do Don't you ever interrupt me like that.